Hi everybody, it's Caroline Balderston and welcome to another Bold Aging interview. Today I'm catching up with Matt DeMade, who is a phenomenal agent and he works out of the Toowoomba Marketplace in Queensland. And I had such a lovely conversation with Matt and you will definitely agree that Matt brings such heart to the industry and he's humble, he's ambitious, yet he definitely has his priorities right. And I know this is something that is often lacking in the industry. So join me as we listen to my interview with Matt as he shares his insights around how critical it is to empower his team. Uh, he's certainly learned the importance of protecting his time. And even more importantly, and I, I can't wait for you to hear this bit, the decision he made around his minimum fee. This might get you thinking about how to be even bolder as an agent. So enjoy. So welcome, Matt DeMade, to the Bold Agents interview series. I'm so delighted to have you on board. Thank you so much for joining us today. That is A-OK. Thank you for the invitation. Well, I couldn't not have you because when I look at what being bold is all about, to be honest, you exemplify a bold agent in so many ways. And so I'm just really thrilled to be able to share with the Being Bold audience what you do, how you do it, because you know, you're know you a coaching client of mine and how, how long have we been working together now, do you think? Thinking about that earlier, I think I had my little moment of not knowing what to do next, about nine months in, I think. I feel like it was July, 2019. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, I think it probably was. Yeah. yeah. So about 18 months now. And boy, um, you've come a long way. And we'll certainly unpack that today as we go through your examples of how you've been bold over that period of time. So I might just give a quick snapshot for all of our listeners so that they can get a bit of an understanding about who you are, your marketplace, etc. So you've been an agent. Like how long have you been in the industry now? I was trying to work that out myself. It was 11 years on the 12th of March, so just over 11. And I love how you're so precise. You know exactly the dates and everything. Facebook memories. I check my Facebook memories every day. And I had like oh, a little like, first day of the rest of my life, better words. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. So 11 years in the industry. Yeah. What was that? Like a forced reminder. Yes. Well, it's good. I think that's one of the good things about Facebook, actually, when you get those little surprises and sometimes you're like, oh, I forgot about that or didn't realise it's been that long. So it's great for that reason. So 11 years in the industry and worked with a couple of different brands, but you decided to absolutely be bold and, and go out and embark upon your own brand, Ecology Property, which is in Toowoomba. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I love the name Ecology. And the more I've gotten to know you, Matt, I realise that the name of your business is totally personifies you, who you are, which is really awesome. But um, I just want to run through a few little stats, if you don't mind, just so that our listeners can understand your marketplace. So your average sale price is roughly about 500000 based on? Five, 530 at oh, this point and a half. Precise again. That's what I love about you. I could give you the dollars as well, but I won't do that. <laughs> Great. So 530 average sale price. 
Um, and I know when we set your business plan up for this financial year, your target, you were aiming for about 53 sales. And we're going to run through where you're at with all of that, if you don't mind, and to share with the group how well you're doing this year. Um, and also, you basically, you know, what I love about this, Matt, when I look at that, when I look at your average sale price and your target for sales, and you're comfortably doing five deals a month. And I know you had, um, you had a great month in November last year where you actually had eight deals, yep. eight sales, which is really phenomenal. But uh, and even in that month, you cracked 110,000 gross commission, which was a big milestone, wasn't it really, for you? I don't think I've ever done a month over 100 before. I may have written 100, but I'd never set, well, in our language, unconditional Queensland. Yeah. yeah. Um, that many unconditionals in a month. Yeah, amazing. It was such a milestone. And I remember being so proud of your achievement for that because of how hard you work. But um, what is interesting is that, you know, if you were in a capital city, if you were in Melbourne or Sydney, doing those types of transaction numbers uh, at the at a different, you know, let's say the average sale price is even just a million, which is probably a bit conservative, you're easily a one and a half million dollar agent at that level. You know, it's fascinating. I quoted someone a fee earlier because their sale price would be about 1.2, 1.25 and very oddball. So I only pitched for that listing this morning and he's like, oh, so give me the numbers. What's What's the fee, which is 2.95% uh, of that? And it was funny, like I didn't hesitate reading it out, but I'm not used to reading numbers that high. But it, it would be funny being down south and being that being the norm, I guess you'd just be comfortable with it. Yeah, absolutely. And how did you feel um, reading out a commission amount that is you know, double what you usually would be getting? How did that feel in that moment? It felt, you know me with money, I'm funny with money. Um, it felt it felt good, but uh, I guess peculiar in a way too. Yeah. yeah. A lot of money, I think. Anyway, yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned then you're funny with money and yeah, I know we've had a few discussions around that. Yeah. Um, how, like how, is, how has that changed at all over the last year or two, your perception of money, talking about money? And, and I know it's not a comfortable conversation for a lot of people. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I It's probably changed a little bit lately, um, only because I think you get, I think as you, as you progress in your career, you, you might get a bit more comfortable with where you're at. And I think I, I still feel funny about the earning potential. And it's not a bad thing because uh, obviously we all, I think, do a lot for what we get. Depending on who you ask, some people disagree with that. Uh, with <laughs> of course. Those people in life. Um, but a lot of people that sort of pull blues about the money that we get paid uh, aren't overly interested slash at all to do what we do either. So you've mm. sort of got to take it as a with a grain of salt and move on. But, yeah, I think my relationship with money has changed a little bit, a little bit, but it's been through education from yourself. But I was always someone that, I don't know, you sort of... I, indirectly pulled back because you, I guess you didn't potentially need the money or feel like you should have it and someone else should have it. You know what I mean? Mm. It varies. Yeah. I think everyone's relationship with money is different, but it's definitely a, a byproduct for me, not a, not a key driver per se. Yeah. Yeah. And I do know that about you. Absolutely. You're not doing it 
for the money. You've you've made some great decisions in your life. You're just so everybody knows you're married. You've got a beautiful little boy. You've got another baby on the way soon in what, eight, 10 weeks or something? Technicality. I'm nearly married. I'm not married yet. Oh, sorry. Your beautiful partner. Engaged. Let me clarify that in case someone watches that and go, hang on, that guy's full of crap. Snuck off and got married like a (laughs) year ago. Might do that, but not yet. Uh, But yeah, just as great. So you've got a lovely family. You've made some great decisions. You've built a beautiful home. You've just purchased another block of land. You're going to do another build. So you you don't sell real estate for the money on its own. As you said, it's a byproduct for the service you provide and actually what you do for people. And I do know that about you. Uh, you've maintained that very strongly from the very first day we even started talking, really. And I, I've known you for a number of years, but you know, personally, since we started working one-on-one together. And um, yeah, you, you're very, you are different to a lot of agents in that aspect. Can you share a bit more about that? I think it's strange. I, I quite often now, I think there's a bit of a racket in the industry per se about goal setting and what you need to write. And I don't know, I, for a long time when I was with other businesses, it, and, and rightfully so, there's competition. So you sort of you're trying to beat someone else within the franchise or um, the group. Um, mm. I, I always, I got to a point where I kept sliding the bar higher and higher and higher and expecting at some point it would start feeling great and it sort of just never did. Uh, mm. And I even, I chuckle about it now because like I talk to young, well, not even young agents, just agents and sort of go, well, what's your goals? Like people always just sharing stuff with me. Um, and they're like, oh, I want to do a hundred sales or I want to write a million bucks. And, it's like well, that's fine, but like why? And they yeah. have no idea. it's just like doing that or running around because they feel they should or someone else is or I don't know. It's strange. I think that's probably one of the key takeaways from one of our very first discussions is probably finding out why you actually do something rather than just doing something because you think you should be doing it. I yeah, I remember it was a pretty powerful first catch up we had really, and you know I. I really tried to get to understand what made you tick and what was going to make you feel fulfilled um, outside of the money. You're quite right. Like, it's funny. And I think, and I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation. My relationship with money is pretty good because I actually believe, I genuinely believe that the more money you have, the more you can do for others. And so whether that be my family, my friends, my husband, whatever it might be, my clients. So that's kind of my approach to money. And knowing you, as I know you, you do want to do good for others and you do want to help others. So therefore, it's really interesting, isn't it, that we might need to reframe how we view money in terms of what it enables us to do and give yeah, it's the after. I think you got to think about money as in the after, what you do with it rather than, mm. I don't know, there's lots of lots of goals that seem to be forever financially based and numbers driven, but people got will have no idea yeah. about what happens after that. And I think that whole thing is exhausting and doesn't sort of scream fulfillment in any way to me. You sort of just mm. keep sliding the bar, keep chasing the money and... It doesn't feel good at any point, I don't think, <laughs> unless you've got something else to do with it or whether it's family, friends, as you say, 
propping someone up that needs it or I don't know, just mm. having flexibility of decisions so you can make decisions with a clear head rather than a clouded, selfish one, for example. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. And we'll, we'll unpack the, you know, the decision-making as part of our interview today as part of the BOLD acronym. But um, it is that, isn't it? It's not the money for the sake of the money. And, and you've said a few times that you just thought it would feel better and it just didn't. And I've got to share with you, Matt, there's a few agents that I work with at the moment and they, they're kind of feeling the same. And just like you, they're stretching the bar thinking, well, I've done this, now I can do X. And, and I have often asked them and I always test it. And I was like, what, what will that extra income do for you? And what can you do for others with that? Like, what's that about? Yeah. And you're right. It's a moment where people sit and scratch their heads sometimes and they're not even really sure the difference it'll make. And, and so I can see sometimes the clients I'm working with shifting away from that ambition-driven focus of just, as you, your words, chasing the money mm. and moving more towards the, uh, the meaning behind the money. I think the funny thing is you shift away from it and then all of a sudden you get more. Well, that was my circumstance mm. anyway. So all of a sudden, like this thing that you were chasing, you sort of lose this connection with it and then indirectly it finds anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's so true, absolutely true. All right, Matt, so why don't we dive in to, to unpacking how you've been a bold agent through your career and most certainly um, through recent times when I've gotten to know you and just to, to break it down a little, bold, being bold is all about believing in yourself. It's about, you know, owning your results. It's about leveraging your opportunities and it's about decisions that are powerful for you and I see you demonstrate that all of those all the time so why don't we start with the whole concept of believing in yourself and really backing yourself and I, I believe the obvious place to start here is when you made that move out from working in a franchise group and you thought no I'm going to believe myself back myself I'm going to go out on my own what was that like for you and what drove that decision, Matt? Pretty scary for me at the time. Uh, and I think that's sort of natural. I think it, it becomes a bit of, it seems like it's become a bit of a flavour of the month to do that. Um, but I think that's just because <laughs> making it easier uh, and there's platforms to do so. But I guess for me, obviously we cut our teeth. We've been six and a half years with the first agency and, two years with another um, but I guess the the motivation for me at the time is my previous business I had every intention to purchase into that um, at the time uh, I then I don't know I think it's it probably an extension of what we were just talking about with the money side of things is you sort of start to feel like you're getting goals and weren't feeling anything dare I say it like you you sort yeah. of goal and while it's nice to achieve the goal it sort of it doesn't bring fulfillment you start to second guess yourself and go hang on well maybe it's something else mm. um, but yeah the key motivator was when I found out I was going to be a father uh, <laughs> that kicked things into gear uh, and it's quite funny in hindsight now but we made a lot of decisions quite quickly um, with the beginning of this business um, that even in hindsight, like I did them, 
But even in hindsight now, thinking back, I'm, it's strange. I think you just sort of, I sort of had tunnel vision. I right. think, well, Orlo, which is our son's name for those that don't know, uh, Orlo was born 16th of January, 2019. And this business started trading 1st of September, 2018. So <laughs> like three and a half months. Oh. But wow. I think it's strange, like we were working from home, it was wild. Like I think we transferred and respect where respect is due. Our previous employer let us transfer listings uh, at a courtesy to our clients. If they wanted to follow, they could follow, uh, which is lovely. Um, and it's I think- a wonderful approach. I'm yeah, so pleased to hear that, yeah. Which is good. Yeah. I think in that first month, we transferred 11 listings uh, and kicked off nine new ones. So 20 new listings in the first month. Incredible. And this has been, like, we had no idea. Like, I'd, I'd sold real estate before, but, yeah, when there's no well, zero safety net, untested brand, mm. agents in town speculating, people in town speculating, like, I think you just you hear all this stuff and I just, yeah, tunnel vision is the best way to sum it up. Like, we were doing six o'clock in the morning into it. And I was still putting listings online at like 11, 11.30. Just there was not enough hours in the day. Wow. But the issue was we had to get it going because if we didn't, then, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to be a dad in three and a half years, or three and a half months. Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting. We started the business, did that. I think we had 16 or maybe 18 deals unconditional before Christmas. Mm-hmm. But then in the meantime, we'd signed a lease, a six-year lease on a space and renovated it when i signed the lease we hadn't settled a house yet for the business oh my goodness so you had you're juggling all of yeah. so many things but then it's even funny in the builder that i used for the renovation i've mm-hmm. become quite close to him now do, do some projects together yeah. but i've only told him this since but when we signed off on the renovation for the premises i did not have the full sum of money to finish the job so i was just working on the fact that yeah we'd sold some stuff Hopefully it gets to settlement and it all sort of fell into place, but there was mm-hmm. some fairly out there hopeful decisions or bold decisions, you might say. It yeah. absolutely is. And it's it's the epitome of really backing yourself. So believing and backing in yourself, that first part of being bold. Um, you, you know, how did you have, what, what drove that belief for I you? The dad, thing, the dad thing was part of it. Uh, mm. For me, I don't know, I think your mindset changes and anyone that's a parent would understand this. I think there's like, there's drivers and then there's drivers. Like it, I don't know, it changed everything, dare I say, nearly everything for me. Um, The other thing is I am a lover of someone thinking I can't do something. Uh, And I always have been, like I remember I used to sell cars and, I'd be more more suitable per se to like the performance cars and selling that stuff. So one month I remember they told me not to sell any commercial vehicles. And I think that month I sold like 11 commercial vehicles and like two passenger cars. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, I can I can do whatever I want to do. It's not going to fit in a box based off what you say I can do. But yeah, I think and they might have, and there definitely was people saying that it wouldn't work. Even the name, like people calling me a tree hugger and all sorts of stuff and whatever. Oh. Everyone will have their opinion, won't they? Move on. Mm, yeah. um, but I think part of that fired me up too. 
is you sort of go, well, I've branded this thing. We branded it from scratch. We didn't pay any commit, any creative agencies. We still haven't. Um, so we and it's so beautiful. So guys, check it out, ecologyproperty.com.au. So beautiful. Sorry to interrupt, Matt, but it, you have done a beautiful job with the essence of the business. Yeah, and the idea with that is, is, is I think when I was saying about setting goals and then reaching goals and not feeling anything, the, the feel and the vibe of the brand being an extension of myself and my fiance was very important because yeah. I guess we didn't want to feel like we'd paid someone to build something and then we were working inside it because that was almost how we were feeling already. So it was sort of yeah. important for us to build it from ground zero and go, we can, we can honour this and we can bring the right energy to it because we've built it. You know what I mean? It's no one else's. Yeah creation it's ours so we can own it um, wonderful which is that real um authenticity around who you are and what you do and believing in how you want to do things and how you want to look after people and that's another big part of your belief that i see and and how you are such you're quite bold in all those all those choices you're making and in terms of you know who you are what you want to provide, what you want to be stand, what you want to be known for, and what you stand for. Now, could you share with the listeners a little bit about what makes up that vision for you, or your values piece around your brand, your service, and who you want to be in the marketplace, and that belief about that? Can you share with with everybody what your thoughts are around that? I think that was something that sort of I don't know. I think it's intrinsic to the person. So I think I don't know. You've got character traits outside of work and I think the confusing thing about real estate is a lot of the time there's no shortage of people to look at and people to see and follow and you sort of I think early in your career especially and even later sometimes um, you sort of find yourself watching things and going oh well should I be like that or you know what I mean you sort of question those things because everyone does things their own way but I think for me uh and it was something that developed over time. Like I sell some nice properties. I don't sell anything super out there really in Toowoomba. I sort of sell probably middle to upper end, you might call it. I don't sell a lot of entry stock. I don't shy away from it, but it's just sort of not what works its way towards me. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we're sort of the – caring is the right, right word, but we're sort of fussy. Um, so we well, sort of – Done yeah, and I know just on that, it, you shared something with me a few sessions ago where you were toying with the idea of being clear around your messaging of, you know, we sell houses for house proud people. Uh, how's that going? Is that still where you're headed? Still developing, yeah. It's made it as far as Instagram handles at this stage. I'll do something more with it. But yeah, I think I was just sitting down and we were trying to get some extra clarity around how to. And I let the brand speak a bit more, I guess. Mm -hmm. Now that we feel like we've cut our teeth and we exist and people know we exist, you sort of go, well, that phase is done. How do we yeah. were that conversation a bit? And that was just something that popped into my head. We sell houses for house proud people. And it yeah. just made me think that like everyone who I can think about who's respected what we do and who has enjoyed what working with us and continually seems to work with us, that are, they're of that nature. So it's, 
it's not necessarily someone's got a big ego, little ego or whatever. They just like things done properly. And yeah. funny, like we continually get comments from buyers. Oh, geez, it's so nice to walk into a house that's properly presented or it's clean or it's tidy. And you can tell that it, someone cares. And I think that's probably the overriding thing because we can appreciate that. Sellers appreciate that. And it sort of flows into a buyer as well. Yeah, well, wonderful. In a nutshell, I think. Yeah, it's great. And you know, ultimately, Matt, whether you're whether you own your own business as a principal or if you're an agent working within a business, this still applies, I feel. You know, believing in what matters to you, what counts to you as an agent, knowing who you are as an agent, so that you can actually communicate that to your clients. And would you would you agree that you attract oh my god more like-minded people? No idea. And I think that was probably the the steep, not the not a learning curve, but probably the greatest feeling when we did the ecology thing and got clear on what we wanted to do, how we wanted to communicate it, how we wanted to feel, yeah. right down to even trying to identify like your, I guess you've not your favorite client type, but almost like your who, ideal client, who your client is. Yeah. You get clear around that, and it's funny because you sit down with someone after viewing their house, after you're clear on that and your conversation is completely different to if you didn't understand that because all of a sudden you're sort of talking about all these things that mesh with this person just purely because you know it meshes with you too. It's funny. It's yeah. and, that's, and that was like the whole thing with bringing energy to something. So if, if we've put it all together and we've started from scratch and we've done it all, it's easy to communicate. And I think that helped those first few crazy months too because right. sort of doing something that was you, you built it, you know why you built it, you know how to pitch it. Yeah. Because at the start, you, you, well, the business's survival in my instance was reliant on me listing and selling something. That's so that, right. Because it's, you're, you're the only real listing agent in your office and as if we, there's an ecology property in brisbane that they've already heard of like it's that's right everything was from scratch uh mm. like essentially the only head start we had was the listings we carried across yeah even then we had to sell the fact that we knew what we were going to do with them from a big fairly corporate business and sort of say hey mm. you'll trust us no one knows about it. We've built it from scratch at home. <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting thing, but I think people just buy into your belief in it. And I think if you go through that process. You've absolutely nailed it there. It's true. If you believe in you, believe in what you do and why you do things, that emotion of that and the, the real, um, it's a real tangible feeling that you can transfer across to somebody and that's what I believe sets you apart from anybody else you're competing with mm. you know and, and you mentioned before about kind of looking at what others were doing and deciding you just want to do your own thing and I absolutely love that that's where you've gone with your belief about what's important to you and what you do and knowing knowing the sort of clients you want to work with and that leads me to another uh, question then about you know, believing in you and backing yourself because I know that you um, you you mentioned a little while ago to me that you you feel like less needy around clients. It's not like you're walking into and please correct me if I haven't understood what you said about this some time ago. But 
you know, you, you're not walking into every listing needing it and thinking I've got to win this at any cost. Mm. You've, you've managed to find yourself in a space where you believe if they don't, if they don't agree or align with how you operate and what you do, then you're pretty black and white about you might not be the right agent for them. Definitely. I think it's just, it's, it's, that was something that I think it's born out of, was born out of the exhaustion of last year. I think me getting my head around that is I did that month in November, but come December, my God, I was, I was probably more trash than I've ever been um, in terms of exhaustion or mentally tired. I was ready for a break. And I know a lot of agents last year were, the same as a lot happened last year. Like we would sort of started and then everything stopped and then everything started again. We're like, how long is it going to last for? And then it kept getting worse. worse. Well, not worse, but better and better and better. Uh, worse in terms of workload. Uh, and just everyone to the end of last year was just like, what the hell just happened? Mm. Um, yeah. But I think getting clear on the clients and my fiance is very good at helping with, with this as well. You also are hammering it into my head slowly. I was never someone that was great at saying no. Mm. Uh, I'd say yes and just not, not to the point of doing things that I shouldn't be doing, but I just I got to a point where like it's the old 80-20 rule, I think. Like you have all these dramas with some select few clients per se, Yep. But then when you sit and reflect and you, you think right back to like the listing stage or the appraisal stage and how that conversation went, there's usually signs early that someone is going to be more of an energy suck than an energy add. Yeah. I think I've just tried to, especially lately after I was feeling last year, uh, and it co coincided with, I guess, feeling quite okay financially too, is you start to think it's like there's there's for me there's the fee but there's also the life attributes of it so like i don't want to be paid x amount during the day and go home feeling like rubbish and not to be mentally present for my fiance and my son because i've been dealing with someone that i maybe should have flicked declined flicked yeah. declined yeah. and i just think there's sort of ways to organically make those things happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for me, yeah. I struggle with it at the start because it feels like arrogance almost. I'm like, well, I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, no, I can't take that on. Whereas <laughs> for me, it was probably just not getting too attached to the outcome if you made the decision to be yourself at the actual listing presentation. It's almost you like, well, I'll convey and try and get across what I believe in. And essentially, if they don't agree or they don't see value and they don't get on board, just to be okay with it, which is odd. Yeah, it's a wonderful place to reach, Matt. And it can, it can be very hard to get to that point. And you alluded to the fact that being in a financial position that was stable and you felt that you were secure, yeah. it gave you the option to, to say no. But even still, I've got agents who are equally successful as you. They do big numbers. They've got beautiful homes. They've got all these. So financially, they're okay, but they still don't know how to say no to some of those clients that, as you say, are not going to give them energy. They're going to deplete them. And, um, and when we get to the, the decisions, 
that you've made, and there's a number of them, that I remember is one of them, which is you decided to set a theme. We'll come to that at the end, actually, if that's all right with you. Um, we'll talk about how you enable them to self-select out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to get to a position to be financial, let's move into owning your results that owning part of being bold and your productivity levels are ultimately what will drive your outcomes and your results. And so that comes down to your effort and comes down to your commitment, your focus. Um, do you mind if I share some of your results for this financial year so far in terms of numbers, transaction numbers and things like that and conversation numbers? You okay to share that? Yeah, because it's pretty impressive and I know that as time of at time of recording this it's April 2021 so we've really just finished what 12 days ago um the the end of the third quarter of the financial year and I've just got your stats on the screen here that I prepared so so far do you realize that you have had 3146 prospecting conversations in nine months I have no idea that's why I laugh. You, you, you follow these things. I follow the week and make sure I get the information from you and then move forward. <laughs> I love it. But that's that accountability piece for owning your results. I have to say, Matt, you are you you are the best, one of the best. I've only got a couple of agents who are diligent about tracking your productivity, diligent yeah. about submitting your results to me as you've agreed to do. And I feel terrible if I don't. Like, even sending them late I'm like I know I should have got this sooner but this is the best I can do <laughs> but yeah no, you're, you're always apologetic but you you send them to me it's very rare that I've had to kind of check in with you about it what yeah. what makes you feel bad about it fill me in on that bit if I haven't sent it through hmm. I just I think it's just that whole like when you say that I've told you that I'll do it like I'm, I'm that's hmm. my but if I tell someone I'm going to do something regardless of whether it's a send a photo of a form once a week or ring them back or like anything. I don't like, this sounds cliche AF, but I don't like to let people down. I'm not that guy. Uh, I will not do things for sure, but I'll never say that I'm going to do it and then not do it. So I'm, I avoid things like anyone else. Like I'm like, I'm a champion avoider. I don't want to do something. I just won't go anywhere near it. But if I've made the commitment to do something for someone or, mm. yeah, it's, it's done. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's that whole reliability piece and where you're responsible. You're a responsible human being when you beha behave that way, which is not only important in life, it's super important in what you do, uh, looking after clients and helping them with their, with their transactions and big moments in life, you have to be that guy who follows through and delivers. So, and that's what I love about when, you know, Mondays typically are when the productivity sheets come in from my coaching clients. And every time I open yours up, I've got to be honest now, I'm blown away by how productive you are, given you've got a, a boutique office, you don't have a huge sales team. There's you, we'll run through your team shortly as well. Uh, we'll all do it now. You've got You've got wonderful Ali who is operational and gets all of your operational processes and back, back end humming. Yeah, you've got Lou who's recently joined you and I'll, I'll dive into that decision you made about that as well. 
um, and she is looking after some of the bio work. She's also an in-house stylist and that's a great decision you made that I do want to get you to fill me in on. Um, you know, it's not a huge team and you've got Ree, your fiancé, who does a few things in the background when she's not, you know, having babies for you, with you, but um, you have to do it all. And when you're, when you're like, talk about owning your results, if you don't perform, your whole business suffer. And your productivity is amazing. I mean, your conversations are next level. You also, I'm just looking here, you've booked 103 appraisals over the last nine months. Mm -hmm. And that's with some downtime over Christmas and the whole COVID thing where things got really wobbly. I mean, that, that's big. Listing the is there wouldn't be a cold appraisal in there either. Not a single one. Well, that's true because your conversion rate from listing appointment to listing signed is very high. Look at this. You've been out to 95 listing appointments mm -hmm. over the nine months. In February, you did 16 and in March, you did 18. That's huge. Mm. Huge. Like phenomenal numbers. And of those, you've signed up... Um, 51 of those so far and I know some of them are, are not immediate sellers and we, you've got a very strong pipeline and we always look to that mm -hmm. and you've had 49 unconditional sales plus the one that's just happened today that takes you to 50 unconditional sales over the nine months mm -hmm. and it's just you and you're doing these incredible numbers you've still got three months to go and you've achieved your gross commission target for the year as of today like massive congratulations thank you talk to me about that your productivity those results I mean, fill me in what does that feel like and how do you perform at such a high level excited than i do um, <laughs> i don't know i think for me i i'm like anyone i think if you look at an annual goal at the start of the year it seems like a lot um so you just i'm literally one by one call by call and i'm not a i think a lot about well, i've heard our agents agents to be referred to as a glorified telemarketer which is fair to a point but mm. to, for me my outgoing calls is it's business acquisition but it, it doesn't feel like that i guess is for me like i can't I can't ring and be like, hey, you ready to sell your house yet? Like, that's not me. And like some people can, and credit where credit's due, I can't. Yep. I, I'm more of like a, every call seems like a social, comfortable call where you're essentially trying to add something. So whether it, add a layer or, and it's usually like a layer of support in some way, like, mm. did you see something had sold or like, hey, going with, like something you talked about last time, whether it was improvements to the house or yeah. whatever, or thanking, calling someone personally to thank them for a referral or saying that you bumped into someone. Like there's always these things to talk about, but it's probably more so just being really critical of yourself that if you're ringing someone and taking their time, you want to make sure you can give something back for that time. I hate feeling like I've hung up and not given anything back. Mm. I don't know. I think you have a child, your perception changes on that too, or a successful business or whatever. I think if, if your relationship with time is stronger than your relationship with money, yeah. things happen, I think. Mm. That is, I, that, that's absolute gold what you've just said, your relationship with time. And I know you've made some decisions about 
how you spend your time, which I can't wait for you to share that when we get to your powerful decisions. So your productivity and owning your results, you know, it, it like it's, it's so cool because you never look to anyone else to fulfill what you're meant to be doing. You take ownership of all of it. And if you've had a slack week, which you haven't had many, Matt, you tell me and you own that and you don't make excuses about it. What was that? I like apologize. Sorry about this. Yeah, but you don't make excuses, I've noticed. You don't, you don't go, oh, this happened, that happened. You've just said, I didn't feel like it all. I was, I've been tired, so I've decided to, to not push myself too hard this week and things yeah. like that. So how do you get to do that where most people don't own the results and they almost hide behind, you know, reasons why they, they did the work but they didn't get the result? How come you're different? Oh, I think I'm that way in general. I'm, it sounds a little bit cliche too. I think a lot of people who get anything done are very hard on themselves. Yeah. Um, and that's something that can be a good thing, mm. but you know, you need to, whether it's you or whether it's re in my instance, friends, family, I've got people that are far better at, taking it easy than I am. <laughs> so I think you need people to check you on that too. Or I think to help you realize when you've got something done or whether you should celebrate something like for me, it was always, there was nowhere to hide. Like it is, it is not someone's fault if you don't do something like it never is. So mm. I, I can't, Mm. I'm not great with excuses in general, to be honest. Like even if someone gives me an excuse that seems like a, I'm not harsh about it, but I do like I, I internalise, like I'm not, you know, attack this person because they just made an excuse. That's not me at all. But yeah. I do reflect and I'm just like, well, that's not the reality. Like the reality is like if someone says you didn't have time, you just didn't make it a priority. And I think you're good on this too because if something's not happening and I've set goals that haven't happened with you and then you remind me of them more than I remind myself of them and it becomes more of a why is this not happening and it's not an attack it's like if if it's not happening or you're not aware of it even it's yeah. obviously not an important enough goal to even be there so why is it there so it's almost acknowledging that something's just sitting and you're not giving it energy for a reason. Mm, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about with our discussions around a couple of things. And how was that for you when, you know, quite recently we, you know, through the coaching, you became really clear on, you know, well, I actually don't even think I want that. Hmm. I don't really think that is a goal that I'm after because you were talking about, you mentioned earlier you're the king of avoidance, but um, you, you were avoiding a couple, of, a couple of your projects and initiatives that we were working on. And it's because it just, it didn't align with you, did mm. it, Matt? I mean, I remember that. And I think for me, if I'm doing something, there has to be something with work anyway. I, I really struggle to do anything at work if there's not a, 
a benefit for someone that I'm doing it for. Yeah. And I'm pretty hard on myself about that. Like, I think sometimes a lot of agents, like you can go into every listing and believe you're going to get it. That's fine. But the reality is sometimes in some mm-hmm. locations, there's a chance that someone is saying something or bringing more knowledge or something. You can be the best agent in the world, but someone will know something you don't know. So I think there's there's a time to be hard on yourself about that. And sometimes you just got to go, well, that's just a reality until yeah. I want to spend more time to improve my knowledge or change my circumstance. That's going to be the way it is. Yeah. 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 That. But yeah I great. Think, great. Um, other people exist uh, and you don't need to do everything. It's strange. That's right. Yeah. You balance that out really well. You, you own what you're not doing and look at it and then take it off the table and you own what you are doing. And it's that commitment piece that you mentioned early, earlier. Your results speak themselves because you, and I, I've experienced it with you even where we've talked about potentially a, an action you could take in between our sessions. You've gone, no, I won't do it by then, but I'll do it by X. So you're really great at this time thing keeps coming up of you knowing about your time and how much time you've got and what you can and can't do. So you don't set yourself up not to complete is what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah. Mm. I like the whole feeling, like feeling like you're drowning because I don't know. And I think the other part of my time is now that like you sort of have to execute when you've only got a certain amount of time in a day and you're working a fairly reasonable um, turnover is obviously there's people selling more properties annually than I am and I respect that but yeah. for me it's it works back to the income goal all the numbers mash up but I've also got other things like I want to enjoy my lunch and I want to be able to get home and and be in the good books and have dinner with my son you know what I mean like there's yeah. all these things that can't be flexible in my mind so it's like how much can I physically get done in the other time slots and I think getting clear on a ideal week uh, that works for me was a really big thing lately too like we only did that um sorry clients walking past them in the front (laughs) great love it wave great I love it yeah, I think getting getting that that worked because it, it was always clunky if it didn't work and you'd always just not honour it. Whereas now I've got a sort of a weekly thing that I feel like I can be pretty ruthless with uh, and people people slot into it. it. It works good. It does. And that that was one of the powerful decisions you've made over the last few months where you decided you only want to be working five days a week you are being ruthless and protective with your time. So you've got time with your family because that keeps coming up and everyone listening here, I know they'll, they'll see that you really do, you do mean that and therefore you make the right decisions around that and you're living that life now. And I'd love to see it because here you are nine months in, you've reached your goal already for the, for the 12 months. Of course, we've just stretched it in our last session, but um, you've reached your goal yet it's not at the expense or the sacrifice of your family. It's such a fantastic decision you made about what you will do, when you will do, which takes me back to the leverage piece then because yeah. you've leveraged a, a couple of key things. 
the two things that come to mind for me, Matt, are how you've leveraged Louise, who you brought on board, Lou, as um, an in-house stylist and also, and I want you to elaborate on this if you wouldn't mind, and also you really empower the entire team. You've let go of certain things and you've set those boundaries to leverage others and other resources. So can you share with us those those leverage opportunities that you grabbed? I think in that, I don't know, it's interesting. You sort of go through this, the side effect of building a brand from scratch and branding it from scratch is being a control freak because you mm -hmm. can't not be, because you did it. So you almost got to, well, I've got to train someone else how to do these things or I'm going to have to do it forever. Yeah. So I think we've been very fortunate to have Ali. Um, Ali provides a really solid base. Ree was always that for me um, before the baby. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, having we couldn't do what we could do anywhere near it without Ali. And Ree couldn't be at home with Orlo doing that uh, if it wasn't for Ali either. So she's an integral com uh, piece. Uh, but from the Lou perspective, Lou, it was actually Lou's idea. So I used to outsource to Louise to style homes for me, but it was only ever sort of full jobs. And it was just, it was uncanny timing. I was talking to her about um, a job and I'd interviewed someone else that day. She sort of said, well, what have you been doing today? I said, I interviewed someone, need a bit of help. Uh, it was actually a school teacher who I'd interviewed. I'm just like, well, I need someone that you know, can add some things that I might not be exceptional at or bolster me on. And she was like, well, I've sort of had this idea. I wanted to bring it up last year, but it was your first year in business and things were a bit crazy. We've had dad and you know what I mean? Like all these things happen for you. So I didn't want to bring it up, but I had this idea that maybe we could style in-house. I could work for you and we could see how that went. And I sort of went, that's a pretty cool idea. Like, yeah, I love it. But well, you didn't even really monetize it directly. So I think a lot of agencies or directors would have said, well, this is cool. I can charge. I can have my own styling business inside my business. Mm. Whereas to me, that wasn't the goal. I think for me, I'm just like, well, will it work if we offer this as a service to people yeah. with limitations to bolster the opportunity to get business? So we sort of, we made that decision. So I sort of pay Lou a wage. Uh, the girls are both linked to the team goal, essentially. So it's not me sitting on my throne. Everyone shares. Obviously, I get a bigger share. I'm not going to hide that. Uh, but everyone is involved in the team goal. And the annual goal is quite a chunky sum of money uh, at the end. So Great. everyone thinks through the year, not week by week, which I think helps mindset mm. well because I don't know, the, the year's a year. It's like you can have one good month, but like, what about the other 11? Like, you know what I mean? It, <laughs> long term is But yeah, Lou essentially day to day, she helps with callbacks. Um, we sort of sort the calls. Um, so I'll do anything that we know is selling to buy or yep. uh, that I might've met before, uh, who showed a significant amount of interest. Mm. Uh, Lou does the rest. But in saying that, if, I'm, if I've got bookings and stuff and we need to get stuff done, it's not as if Lou's not permissed or never gets to make those calls. Like if I've got appointments or I'm at appraisals or things, I like Lou does those calls. So, yeah, it's not yeah. uncommon for Lou to get offers. I try to do all the vendor stuff, um, yeah. but 
Lou has extracted some offers that I, I I've told her this that I be able to get. I don't think so. I think there's there's knowledge in knowing sometimes as agents if you can know too much too. I I think. Oh yes. You can hold it up just because of your own belief. So, I think Lou is great at selling it for what it is and getting out of the way, sort of being there to help and assist and explain, but not regulate. It's been quite interesting to watch, but yes, does that. And then obviously from a service side of things does a lot to help people get ready for sale. Yeah. Support with all that stuff. Yeah. That's a lot. Like for a while there, when that big month, like we were styling four houses a week, like (laughs) Lou was like, I can't keep doing this. So (laughs) after itself, but I don't know. It's been interesting. We just try to regulate our install days now and what we provide. Yeah. Make sure there's allowances there, so Lou doesn't have to, I don't know, clean styling stuff when it ends up back in storage. And you know, try to take away some of those out of hours stuff, so Lou doesn't feel like she's forever running. Yeah, absolutely. And so helping her have a bit of that balance that you've been able to get as well. And I know you want that for all of your team. Everyone works five days, so it's not just me. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I take Thursdays and Sundays. Uh, I used to feel funny telling people that because they'd use it against me, but I don't care anymore. Uh, Try Just try. Love it. Um, Lou has Fridays off Mm -hmm. uh, because Lou helps me. It opens on Saturday. Um, Lately, everything's been selling super fast, so there's been fairly limited opens. Uh, The the upside of a uh, market like we're in. Uh, and then Ali, Ali works school hours through the week, so 9 till 2.30, uh, so she can drop off her kids and pick them up, which she appreciates. Uh, and then she work, doesn't work the weekends because there's no real need okay. for it. Yeah, so. yeah, it's a really, you've really worked out what each person is best at, what their highest and best value is, mm-hmm. and made sure that you're all playing to your own strengths, yeah. which, which I can see is why you enjoy what you do so much. And I know that Lou and Ali do enjoy what they do as well. So you've made, you've done really well with leveraging support and other resource so that you can be freed up to list and sell and then be with your families. It's just incredible. And the last, the last thing I wouldn't mind circling back to, because we mentioned earlier about one of the powerful decisions you made, uh, which was along the lines of being okay to let a client go if they're not the right client but you also made a bit of a decision about your minimum fee and you don't have to share what that is but I'm, I'm keen to know you know like how you felt making that decision and why that was powerful for you yeah I think it's it's interesting and sort of how this came about is you can only do so much like for me if you're trying to maintain I think quality and a bit of control and feel like you're involved so that like the buck stops with you. Because I think, I feel that that's why people employ me. I guess I'm, I sort of feel funny about someone giving me a job and then giving off all the other, all the agent work to other people. That's just me. Other people feel more confident and some people's teams do a great job too. And we do too. We all just play to our strengths. So I play to mine, Lou plays to hers, Ali plays to hers. And we try to build the job roles in alignment with the person rather than trying to force them to do something that 
again, like they might not be comfortable with because the side effect of that is they won't bring the right agency to it. But uh, on the on the fee thing is essentially it's knowing knowing your limits really and where in a non-arrogant way where your problems come from or where where your money or time is money from in terms of paying staff yeah. uh, or time personally is spent and for me it was and these are funny numbers for anyone watching from sydney and melbourne I <laughs> know they're gonna die. <laughs> An average house up here might be like two hundred to three hundred fifty thousand. Mm. So I know some areas uh, in regional locations in other states are that way, but for us, like, and we only had this chat the other day, and I don't talk about the specific address, but like a house that's two point seven down there is eight hundred up here, even in a comparable location. Mm. You're just like so the the numbers are unheard of. So. For me, it's funny. So you try and filter out some of the low end stock because it takes just as long for me to sell a $350,000 house as it does a $600,000 house. Like our average sale price is five thirty, as we talked. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I look for me, it's I'm better off selling $530,000 houses rather than $350,000 houses. But the other side effect with me is I don't like saying no, as we talked about before. So the minimum fee thing was a nice way to filter the people that actually wanted to work with you with those properties. Mm-hmm. So obviously the, the benefit of a minimum fee, and we're talking a dollar amount, not a percentage. Uh, not a percentage. Yeah. Anyone below a certain level really needs to weigh up and obviously we can do a great job of selling those houses but mm. if they don't value the styling import or they don't value what we do day to day or the advice or the knowledge and and those things yeah just sell with someone else and it's not it's, it sounds sort of yeah. harsh but it's really not you know what i mean like if yeah. if people want to be with you for the right reasons and you're spending just as much time as you would with someone as if they did want to be with you the right reasons, it doesn't, both energy-wise and financially, it doesn't make sense. Love and it. Huge fee this year, so it's gone up a 1,000 um, over the course of the year. I ran the numbers. I haven't told you this yet. Oh, fill me in. Uh, my, my average fee has gone up a 1,000, and my average fee is now just over, so like $73 over my minimum charge. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just... Just tip, and I'm sure next year will be. Oh, it's, yes, because you've made this shift now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next financial year will be stronger. So that shift would be B. It's about October, November, I think we had that chat. Yeah, it would have been around that time because you were tired. It yeah. was that. Yeah, it was that period. Regulate this thing a bit. Yes, correct. Uh, funny because doing those things, like the rolling average year on year, is still six sales more than it was the same period. Well, it's six sales more and we're not even done. Yeah, so it'll, the, the transactions will go up, not down as a result yeah. of doing that. Whereas at the start, I'm like, well, if I get rid of all this stock, I'm going to sell less houses. But it's not what's happened. No, and not at all, yeah. which is beautiful, Matt, because that just really does bring us to a, a complete circle here on 
how you really are a bold agent on every level. We've spoken about your beliefs, what matters to you, how you back yourself all the time. We've looked at all those, your, you know, your ownership of your accountability to yourself, to others, that responsibility, your results, your productivity, everything, all those leveraging opportunities that you grabbed and just plugged in. And, and again, because you believed it was the right thing to do. And then finally, some really powerful decisions you've made along the way that some might, you know, think, you know, from outside in, well, you know, wouldn't you want to just look after everybody? But ultimately, you're making decisions that are good for you good for the client and in general, good for the greater good because everybody benefits you from you making decisions like that. Yeah. And it's the same with the diary choices. I think the diary is no different. Like controlling your ideal week. If there's not a spot, there's not a spot. It's just the way it is. Yeah, you put those boundaries now and it's so cool because you're like, oh, I'm full this week, <laughs> you know? And appraisals. So people have called for an appraisal and I've literally, this might horrify some people, and literally, I can't get there for a week because I'm already doing other things. But I think the beauty of that is when I feel queasy in those situations too, don't get me wrong, mm. but it forces you to look at, well, what's the diary full of? Because you sort yeah. of go, well, I can't get to appraisal for a week. This is not good. Who can do this fire appointment? You know what I mean? Like, so there's... Yeah. There's ways around it. And I think it forces you to have a look at your processes uh, and your support, let go of things. You know what I mean? And it sort of becomes a bit of a natural thing then. Absolutely. Again, letting go of things and making those decisions that are the right decisions for you. They're resourceful and powerful when you, when you can do that. Matt, it's been amazing to catch up with you today and uh, I just, again, want to congratulate you. Massive high fives from me on how well you've done this financial year. Now we're pushing hard now to reach that stretch goal. And I, I know you're going to do it. It's really exciting. But what I love most about you is how you do business. You absolutely do put others first, whether it be your family or your clients or your team. And then you're making sure that you are true to yourself and honoring what your values are day to day. And that's why, my friend, you've got a wonderful business. You're a wonderful agent. And I love working with you. And thank you so much for sharing all you have shared with other Being Bold agents and other listeners out there. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate your help. <laughs> my pleasure. Well, I better let you go because your boundary on time. You've got to get home for your fam. Got to be home by six. Got 20 minutes for dinner. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll um, protect time as well and I'll let you go. Thanks again, Matt. It's been wonderful. No trouble. See you. Okay. Later. See you later. Bye. Bye.